I'm SP from the GuineaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is part of the GuineaGeek.com network. Just like the show you're checking out now, shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geek shows at GuineaGeekNetwork.com. And welcome to Play Comics, the show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. I'm Chris, and today I've got Anthony Sitko from Capes on the Couch. I'm so excited. Anthony, how are you today? I am doing fantastic, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on the show. That's really good to hear because we're looking at X-Men Mutant Wars, and I think we're not going to be as excited by the time we're done. Oh, definitely not. But let's start on a high note. This kind of came out to coincide with the movie, sort of-ish, home video release anyway. It's really weird. Really? I didn't have an opportunity to take a look at the uh, the time frame. I just saw this was late 90s. I looked at Wikipedia, and that's the only reason I know that. Okay. Well, that's more research than I did on the the history or background of the game itself. I was primarily focused on uh, you know, playing it or slogging through it, I should say, if I'm being perfectly honest. All of that being said, this doesn't really have anything to do with the movie at all. Here, though, I'm wondering, when I showed you the list of games, you really jumped out on this one. What got you into X-Men? Well, the reason why I jumped on this uh, title on the list as opposed to some other ones is because I was certainly more familiar with the comic property. Um, and as a result, I thought that I would be better equipped to speak to X-Men rather than some of the other options that you had available. Um, and I've, I've been a comic book fan for, for a very long time. Um, my, my podcast, Capes on the Couch, uh, discusses the uh, psychiatric and mental health issues of comic book characters, um, how realistically they're portrayed, um, my co-host is a board certified psychiatrist, uh, and my best friend. And so we have taken a look at several, uh, ex characters and some of their various, uh, neuroses or what have you. And, uh, so it's, it's always a good time when you're talking mutants. And, uh, so when I saw this game was on the list, I said, oh, I, I, certainly know the characters that we'll be talking about. And then I figured that would give me a good opportunity to um, experience a game that I had never played before. Um, And now that I have played it, I can cross it off my list and never have to worry about playing it again. (laughs) Yeah, as far as characters go that you get to play as in the game, there aren't really any surprises. Um, You've got Wolverine, which I don't think it... I can't remember who I was talking to about it on Twitter, but has been in basically every X-Men game ever released. Yeah, I don't think I can recall an X-Men game that didn't involve Wolverine as either a playable character or at least a character in some capacity 
because as long as there have been X-Men video games, there have been, um, Wolverine has been a major character in the X-Men mythos, uh, and storylines. So it, it only makes sense. Um, and I think that's, well, I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead to the gameplay too much, but I think that's one of the reasons why Wolverine is the way that he is in the game is because of popularity and not for any legitimate story reason. Got Cyclops, which if I'm remembering my stats correctly, was the character to appear in the second most number of games. Again, not a surprise at all. No, definitely not. Scott's oftentimes the leader of the X-Men in most instances in the comics and it only makes sense that he is available uh, to play in the game. You've got Storm, which I guess is maybe a little bit of a surprise. I don't. I didn't think so. Storm is is a very popular character. Uh, has been basically uh, since she's been around, which I think was like 1975. Uh, she debuted as part of that Cockerman Ween Giant X Men number one storyline if i remember my stats correctly and uh so she's and at one point she was the leader of the x-men while scott was off uh with gene and and madeline Pryor and figuring out which redhead he really wanted to fall in love with and uh so storm and her powers i think it it makes for uh, powerful and interesting gameplay certainly um or at least it would if you're not limited by your console. Um, but I think Storm as a general character is is a good choice for any X-Men video game. And you've got a couple people who weren't in the movie at all. Gambit and Iceman. Well, Iceman uh, was in the movie. Uh, Bobby Bobby was in the, in the first Iceman movie, uh, the first X-Men movie, rather. Um, he didn't play... A, a huge part in the first one, but he did play a fairly decent sized role in the, in the second one. And, uh, and then we finally in X-Men, the last stand, um, <laughs> he, we do get to see him take on that ice man, that full body ice form. Uh, so Iceman Bobby Drake, uh, is, is again, a, a popular enduring character. I mean, he's, he's an original X-Man. I mean, going back to 1963. Um, so he's been uh, a part of the franchise literally since day one. And then Gambit, uh, was not in the movie and wouldn't be seen in the X-Men movie universe until the, uh, origins Wolverine movie. And the less said about that, the better, but Gambit, uh, at the time this was, was made, was still a very, uh, popular, uh, lovable roguish sort of, I don't want to say full-blown anti-hero, but, uh, he wasn't a, a squeaky clean hero. So Gambit certainly has his fair number of fans. So I can't say that I was entirely surprised with the roster of heroes that they, they picked for the game. It, it made sense to me at least. Yeah, the fact that I forgot Iceman is in there just proves how much I like the movie, which is not very much. Yeah, I suppose that says something. <laughs> and really, the only reason I think Storm is a bit of a surprise is because you could have had Rogue in there, you could have had Jean Grey in there, and being a wonderfully made video game, 
of course they're only going to have one female character in there. Yeah, that that does speak to uh to I guess the the designers. Um although I I think to some extent they were limited on the size of the roster they could have in general. So, I mean, I think that's what six characters and then and then who do you sacrifice for Gene? I guess Gambit uh, to me, it uh, would make the most sense to drop Gambit and bring in Gene. But otherwise, again, I don't have too many complaints with the, the roster that they did choose. This is fairly standard mid to late 90s X-Men uh, team. If you even look at the cartoon series, all of these characters that were in, were in the game were very popular in the cartoon. And to a large segment of the population, the cartoon before the movie was most people's introduction into the X-Men characters and the universe. So I feel that it was a combination of the movie, um, but also the, the cartoon still being very common and uh, at the forefront of the zeitgeist. So you've got all those folks who know, okay, I know all these characters because they were in the cartoon. And the cartoon was certainly how I knew X-Men, especially when this came out. Because at that time I was not really reading comics at all. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't uh, reading them either. Um, at least not nearly to the extent that I was later. Um, and even uh, in my younger days, there was kind of like a little dip uh, when I was reading comics. I read them a lot as a kid, and then not so much as a teenager. And it wasn't until I got into my twenties that I started getting back into it. So. When this game came out, and really the first couple X-Men movies, that was, I guess, a, a low point for me in terms of reading comics. So frankly, I couldn't tell you who was on the comic roster in 2000 as far as who was, you know, who the preeminent X-Men characters were in the comics. I don't know because I wasn't reading them at that time. I'm glad we're both on the same boat there. I mean, we can both probably make a pretty safe assumption that Wolverine had a very prominent place there because he seems to always have a very prominent place and Cyclops was probably around. Those are safe bets to make Wolverine and Cyclops. Um, but other than that, I would have to go back. I don't know. Um, that's 2000 is definitely pre Joss Whedon run. I don't know where that falls into the, uh, Grant Morrison timeline again. Uh, that that late '90s, early 2000s period for me, comics in general um, is is a little sketchy in terms of what the the big popular stories uh, were from say 2006 on. I've got a pretty solid understanding of what was happening when, but at this point, uh, chronologically speaking, uh, I was in college and I had far different priorities <laughs> than uh, than I did when I was younger or than I do now. So um, uh, I suppose a shame to admit I, I'm a little lacking. I apologize if that costs me any uh, nerd points. I mean, my understanding of this era is fully thanks to Jay and Miles explaining the X-Men. Okay. And I am not good at remembering when things happen, just kind of a more general idea of this thing happened before this other thing. Yeah, exactly. I know. Uh, I know Morrison. I think preceded Whedon's run on Astonishing. Uh, I want to say that Astonishing run was 
like 04, 05, somewhere around there. So again, uh, prior to prior to the Whedon run, um, and, and just in general, X-Men were never characters that I was particularly enamored with. I was always more of an Avengers fan, um, even now. Um, I know a lot of folks were and continue to uh, go gaga over the Hickman run, uh, House of X and Powers of Ten. I've still not read them yet because, again, the X-Men characters were never characters that I, I truly embraced as much as uh, the Avengers side of things. Uh, you know, I have a Captain America tattoo. Um, Moon Knight is one of my all-time favorite characters. Um, you know, I like I liked the Fantastic Four, but when it comes to the mutants... It was like, eh, okay, they're they're there. And I think the fact that they've kind of been shoveled off in their own little Fox movie universe so far hasn't really helped with that because there hasn't been a lot of things crossing over in the MCU. Yeah, that definitely did them no favors. And then all of the corporate infighting between Fox and Marvel slash Disney. Uh, and, you know, we saw... The uh, we saw Marvel trying to promote the Inhumans as sort of the replacement mutant characters, and saying, "Oh, well, you know, the mutants are all dying. Let's let's promote the Inhumans because." And this is totally not related to the fact that we have the film rights for the Inhumans, and we're going to make a horrible TV show about them. Um, so I I do think that there was some definite um, corporate screwery going on at that time. Um, so that didn't really help matters any. Um, but I mean, at this time, uh, say 2000, I mean, there, there were the only other major comic book movie franchise was, was, uh, the Spider-Man and that didn't even come out until 2002. So, I mean, prior to X-Men, you had Blade, uh, and that was it. And then before that, it was, you had the, the Roger, uh, Roger Corman, Fantastic Four, which was basically, you know, the shuttered you had the direct-to-video captain america which was absolute dreck and you had folks still remembering the campiness of um the the superman and the batman uh you know sort of being over the top and very dramatic so the x-men movies really i think reintroduced the characters uh in a way that they had not been seen like that um before to the general public. And so whatever Marvel needed to do to ensure that they continue to promote these characters was going to, um, was going to make them money because now all of a sudden, you know, these characters were, were hot. They were very popular. Um, those first two X-Men movies to this day, I think still hold up, even though, um, we've seen that they can be done, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, in a, in a more comics accurate fashion, thanks to the MCU. Uh, even with that being said, by 2000 standards, uh, this, they, they were still amazing films. Well, against everybody's better judgment, I'm going to run off and go try to find copies of the Roger Corman and the direct-to-video Captain America while we drop some promos for a few other shows. Are you caring for someone with memory loss? Are you looking for support information and inspiration are you looking for a way to make your caregiving just a little bit less stressful then you're going to want to subscribe to fading memories podcast we're a caregiver to caregiver support network where you'll hear from real experts most of whom have been caregivers themselves we have episodes every tuesday 
I'm Jennifer Fink, your host. My mom has early onset Alzheimer's, and we've been on this journey for about 20 years. You can find Fainty Memories on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jeff. And I'm Chris. We've been friends. Acquaintances. No, friends. Shipmates. Dude, come on. We've been friends. Fine. Sure. Whatever. We've been friends for 23? No, 24. Whatever, dude. It's been a long time. No kidding. We host a show called Round and Round. We discuss the worst. And sometimes the best. Headlines we can find. Watch for signs of the Cold War heating up again. And desperately try to find some good news to celebrate. Occasionally, we delve into important topics impacting the world, the nation, or those around us. And every once in a while, we take a break from the real world to talk about new movies or to revisit and reimagine old movies we love. Find us at rnrthepodcast.com. Tweet us at rnrthepodcast and download Round and Round on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you cast your pods. Join us every Wednesday, won't you? I wouldn't recommend it. That's fine. Those were some great shows you should check out. But first, let's finish up with this one. So, Anthony, I do want to throw out here right off the bat that we are looking at a Game Boy Color game. Yes. So that is obviously going to limit what can happen in the game. It's kind of the reason why you have that really small roster. Because by 2000, I mean, you had PlayStation games, which could have had tons of people. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, you had N64 at that point. Um, You had the Dreamcast, I think. Was Dreamcast out by 2000? Yep, because Dreamcast came out September 9th of 99. Yes, it was. I remember that because uh, I remember playing it on uh, my buddy's, uh, in my buddy's uh, dorm, my freshman year of college, because I started in the fall of 99. So I do remember Dreamcast was around. So yeah, so we're dealing with Game Boy Color. And uh, I mean, I'll give them credit. They look like Game Boy Color versions of the X-Men. Um, it's very obvious who you're dealing with from a, a visual standpoint. Wolverine looks like Wolverine. Cyclops looks like Cyclops. Storm looks like Storm. So there's no question that you're looking at the characters and that they at least got the visual portion of it down. They really do look pretty good. Like I played through some of this and just got to the point where we've got too much going on in real life. So I ended up watching some gameplay videos and the main complaint I heard about anything visual was just like the lack of faces on people. But that was also from a guy playing it on the Game Boy player on his GameCube with everything blown up. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I played it on an emulator on my PC and I, I stretched the screen out a little bit and uh, the the faces, I wasn't going to nitpick too much on account of the fact that, again, this is Game Boy Color. And so I was trying to judge it for what it was at the time. And so, again, I didn't really have any major complaints. I wasn't looking for any sort of major, um, you know, facial recreation on a Game Boy Color. Yeah, the other reason I brought it up was that that's really the only complaint I can think of just on pure visual stuff, which I think is pretty good. Yeah, the cutscenes I thought were were very well done for, again, the, the pixely version that they were. Um, you know, you've got uh, Professor X and, and Magneto and Sabretooth and some of the major characters that 
um, get a little bit more blown up in that sort of, you know, static pixelated image. But again, they, I give them credit because they didn't take liberties with the character designs. They just made them fit in the technology that they had. This game, though, doesn't really have too much of a story, which is something I always look for in these combat games. It's just a lot of, hey, go here, stop somebody. Yeah, and again, I think part of that was due to the limitations of the technology. You weren't really going to have an open world explorer type game like you could in a, a PlayStation or an N64 or a Dreamcast where you could call upon these massive polygons. Anything sprite-based was basically damned to be linear just again due to the limitations of the technology. Um, so, and I mean, these games really are just linear. Um, you're literally just running left and right um, attacking enemies. Um, and having said that, how many how much major story are you going to have in an X-Men game that isn't, hey, Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are up to no good. We have to stop them. I mean, I think that's basically the the storyline for every X-Men game ever. It's either we have to stop Magneto or we have to stop Apocalypse or we have to stop somebody because they're up to no good and we have to protect humanity. That's every X-Men game ever made. So I'm not going to I'm not going to knock them too much on the story such as it is again because you're you're dealing with a, a a linear sprite game on a Game Boy Color. So you make the the best with the story that you can. Again, that's not where I'm knocking the game. I have plenty to say about everything else, but on the story, you know, I'll give it like a I don't know, a 6 out of 10. That seems about right. Where I really want to start knocking the game, though, is the level design here. There's level design? <laughs> I use the word very loosely. <laughs> Those are some air quotes. Yeah, this this is, is horrible. It's, it's run left to right, attack, you know, random jabronis that they just show up on screen. Uh, every character you attack basically gives up a heart, which thank God they do because you are constantly getting attacked in this game from above. And if you are fighting with anyone, literally anyone other than Wolverine, you're screwed. And that's why I said earlier, I think they, the fact that Wolverine was so bloody popular at this point, that's why they gave him more than like two moves because he's the only one who can jump and then kick down like jump kick is a fairly standard attack in any linear platform game. And yet Wolverine is the only character that has it. Every other character, if they jump and attack, it's I'm going to jump, hold in the air while I fire this beam. I can't move. I can't defend myself whatsoever. So if you don't time your attacks exactly, you're screwed. I saw one theory while I was looking at stuff that this was originally made as a Wolverine game. And then the part of the reason why the rest of the characters don't really have anything else is because they were just thrown in. That would not surprise me in the least because again, Wolverine is the only character who A, has a, a legitimate move set, and then B, when you make it to the boss 
characters for the the cutscenes with some horrendous dialogue. No matter who you're playing as, it's always Wolverine that they encounter and that they speak to. And then, you know, when you meet Sabretooth, I, by the time I got to Sabretooth in the game, I think I was playing with Cyclops or Bobby because Wolverine had taken so much damage that he, you know, he went away. And, uh, but then when we get to Sabretooth, Logan shows up, they have their dialogue, and then I go back to controlling Bobby. So I was like, well, this clearly um, was just sort of slapped together uh, without any regard for who you're actually playing. And uh, the, the, even though the cutscenes were, were horrible, I think Wolverine said something like, yeah, my bones are fortified with calcium and adamantium. I was like, what? Is, is this like a milk commercial in the middle of an X-Men game? I'm glad I wasn't the only person who thought that. No, like I said, as soon as it popped up, I was like, what the hell is going on with this game? One thing I did find really interesting here is that instead of having lives, you just kind of cycle through your characters. So you start every level as Wolverine. And then when you die, you go to Cyclops and then Storm and then Gambit. And I might have those middle ones mixed up a little bit. And then last, you you have Iceman. You, you can cycle through if you hit select. You can you can switch characters without having them die. Um, but what I found incredibly frustrating is you have the, the two meters at the top, you have HP and XP. And so HP, obviously, okay, that there's your health meter, but XP apparently is the power f- meter for whatever your, your power is. Now for Logan, that's not much of an issue because Logan just punches and he's got his claws. But when Logan dies and you have Cyclops, Cyclops, when his XP meter runs down, you can't shoot I-beams. And he literally doesn't have any other attacks. And you have to wait until that XP meter recharges and then shoot, which doesn't work because there's enemies spawning on the screen about every 0.7 seconds. And so you're constantly firing these I-beams, except your meter depletes. And so now you're just standing there getting the crap knocked out of you just trying to run around and and trying to avoid these people. You have a double jump that you can use, but there's enemies constantly floating overhead and they're hitting you, taking away your, your health. The level design and the, the enemy design in this game was horrific, horrific. The first time I played it, I gave up after about three minutes because I couldn't figure out what the hell I was doing. And it wasn't until I went back and I watched uh you know, a gameplay video, I was like, oh, okay. So you can actually jump and attack and do all these other things, but only with Wolverine. If, if Wolverine dies, you're screwed. Part of that I'm thinking is I like that they put a thought to where you can't just spam your way with your powers through the game. But the implementation of it is just so backwards. It's ridiculous. Yeah, at least give me some opportunity to recharge, you know, if I beat the enemies, because they just, they spawn hearts. It's hearts, hearts, hearts all the way around. And then occasionally one of them will give up like a key or something. And that's the other thing. I didn't understand. It was, you run left to right. There's occasionally like, you can drop down into some sub rooms and then you have to go back to the main thing. So it's, it's very linear. It's literally left to right with the occasional down to get like a star or a big heart or something. But then you just, you just continue to go right until you come across the boss and then you fight them. 
and then you go to the next level, which may have some different graphics in the background, but is the exact same level layout. I made it three or four levels into the game and I said, there's literally no difference in these level designs. It's just different enemies coming at me in the exact same patterns, the exact same way. So there is like zero replayability. Once you've beat, frankly, once you've beaten one level, you've essentially beaten them all. You don't really have to get further to advance the story. It's going to be the same thing. Okay, I beat this boss. And then I beat this boss in the exact same way. And and then eventually, I assume you beat Magneto. I don't know because I didn't care enough to continue. I ended up watching a complete playthrough of it. And yeah, eventually you beat Magneto. But then, oh yeah, Magneto's not the real boss, so eventually you beat Apocalypse. Oh, what the twist. But I, I still, even knowing that, uh, I couldn't care less. And frankly, I'm sorry that you had to waste, you know, 25 to 30 minutes, whatever it was of your time to watch a gameplay video of this Drek. Yeah, we were eating dinner. It wasn't that bad. Well, at least you had that to distract you then. We had stuffed crust pizza. <laughs> okay, there you go. I'm listen. That was a better value than whatever than than watching and or playing this game, even if it was Pizza Hut. Uh, it was DiGiorno. Okay, well there you go. It wasn't even delivery. <laughs> We're not sponsored, but I will certainly take the money, DiGiorno. There you go. So the last thing I really want to ask you about is these bosses at the end of the level. Um, besides the fact that you have to have the key to really beat the level and you can beat the boss before you get the key and that's just weird. I don't even know who half these bosses are. Yeah, uh, I got Sabretooth, I think, is the first level boss. So I was like, okay, I know him. Uh, I don't remember who the second boss was. Uh, I, he looked like the Blob, but he wasn't the Blob. I was like, if it were the Blob, I, I know that name. Um, and then the third boss, I, again, I, I don't remember because that's, again, that's how literally forgettable it was. It was, they, they charge at you, you hit them. I think by that point I was playing with either Iceman or Gambit and it was, they charge at you, you hit them with a projectile, they stagger backwards and then they get up and, you know, maybe, or they run back they run right and then they come at you from the left. So now you have to jump over them or you don't jump over them because you don't know where they're coming from because the controls are so ridiculously uh, non-intuitive that you just end up taking the hit and then they run over you until you line up for another shot again and then you hit them and they fall down. Provided, of course, that your XP meter has some, you know, some power in it and you can actually fire the projectiles. Otherwise, again, you just get run over until you swap out for a new character. I mean, the second level boss is Warax. As far as I can tell, that's somebody made up for the game. Yeah, I'd never heard of him. Uh, after that, you have Spectre. Okay. Again, I don't think that that's an actual X-Men villain, much less a Marvel one. I was going to say, I the, the only Spectre I know in comics is the DC Spectre. Same here. I mean, I could be wrong. Like I said, uh, maybe he was popular in the in this time frame of the comics. I already admit I don't know much about this era of X Men, so I could maybe that was just a character they pulled out of their ass. I don't know. In a quick comic vine check, though, they're not popping up for anything. 
Like Warax has nothing. Spectre just has the DC one. Shadow isn't popping up with anybody Marvel. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't get the rights to certain characters. I, I don't know. I don't know. Which studio made this game? Here's the weird part. Hal. Really? Yes. That's a decent sized studio. It's not like they couldn't afford to swing the cash to get some licenses for some actual villains like Mystique or Toad or God, anybody, literally anybody. How many levels are in this game then if, if you're looking at you know the, the boss list? Because like I said, I made it through like three levels and I said, well, that's it. I'm done. There are nine levels in this game. Wow. That is 10 levels more than there needed to be in this game. Exactly. After those weird bosses, you do start getting actual X-Men enemies again. Because you've got the Sentinel, you've got Mystique and Sabretooth shows back up. And then we already told you about Magneto and Apocalypse. Okay, so Sentinel, uh, Mystique, and Sabretooth. Uh, that's it. And like I said, you, the movie came out. You couldn't have added Toad. Toad was one of the villains in uh in the movie nah that would have been too obvious we can't do that yeah and i feel like from a from a gameplay design perspective that would have been a a good choice for a boss because he could have jumped around he could have hit you with his tongue from a distance he would have forced you to i don't know come up with something different other than just run up and punch because he would have forced you to to maintain your distance and try to hit him with some projectiles or that jump kick thing that that wolverine is capable of i don't know that's just crazy talk but you know i wasn't around when this game was designed 20 years ago so what do i know i would love to get a hold of somebody who worked on this if any of those people are willing to come talk to me about it i don't know what kind of questions i will have but i will have a lot of them (laughs) what the hell were you thinking (laughs) i'll try to be a little bit less blunt than that but not much what influenced some of the design choices that you made for this game? What was the reasoning for some of these choices you made? Put it that way. That's a that's a polite way of saying, what the hell were you thinking? And then finally, I kind of want to bring up the fact that just proving again the point that maybe this was always a Wolverine game no matter what. The game over screen is always Wolverine just laying down defeated. Yeah, I think that lends a lot of credence to that that they just sort of you know three months before release said oh, crap we have to throw in some more mutants all right let's just uh, throw in some sprites uh that look you know vaguely like these other characters we won't give them any personality we won't give them any actual move sets because then we'd have to go back and recode the entire game and ain't nobody got time for that so we're just going to stick them in there and hope that if we put wolverine as the first player that the first character that players have to deal with, that they can manage to make it through the game without having to play as anybody else and realize that we didn't actually do our jobs. Man, I wish I had that kind of job security. Seriously. And that the music for this game was just so like generic, um, half-assed, slapped together. The sound the sound quality on this game was just uh, atrocious. The, the title theme song was absolutely... Uh, ear piercing and grating. This is not uh, a soundtrack that I would want to listen to over and over again. And I know that the Game Boy and Game Boy Colors didn't always have the best soundtracks, but um, you could have done something halfway decent with this. And it was 
this was lowest common denominator soundtrack for for me um even with the limitations of the hardware yeah i mean this whole thing to me just screams shovelware yeah yeah exactly it's licensed movie game tie-in you know if it, it was timed to release uh with the x-men dvd coming out so they were like we have a deadline we have to hit it i don't care what condition this game is in it has to come out at this time so i think that's ultimately what happened this game was victim to to a release schedule without any regard whatsoever for quality control testing or you know oversight of any sort so overall, compared to the comics, at least as you understand them, what do you think this game gets right? Uh, the visuals and within the limitations of the hardware, it gets their power sets down. Again, as basic and repetitive as they are, you've got Cyclops' eye blast, you've got Gambit's energy blast, Iceman throws ice and storms, little clouds, you know, because she just throws like tornadoes. There's not even lightning. Like you can't even give me a lightning bolt. It's just clouds, but at least it it works. And then Wolverine is just standard hack and slash. So the visuals, they get right. And that's it. And what little story it has. I mean, it's what the story of a lot of X-Men story arcs are. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, Magneto and Apocalypse and these bad mutants are up to no good. We have to stop them. Professor Xavier gets the team together and they have to go out and fight them. So it's not outside the realm of possibility for any number of X-Men comics. That's a story that's literally been told dozens, if not a hundred times over. So I suppose, you know, I give them credit for just at least not screwing that up. And what do you think this game really gets wrong? Everything else. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. I don't know how else to say it. This game gets everything else wrong. Uh, Controls, music, enemy design, level design, fun, playability, the the villains, anybody that isn't Sabretooth, Mystique, uh, Magneto, or Apocalypse, they literally created these these no-name jabronis just to have somebody to fight as a quote-unquote boss. This this is a waste of a game. It's a waste of a license. Even the most basic of X-Men storylines, if you were having to run around from place to place like this, there would at least be, oh, they got away. You need to go chase them over to this new place now. You don't even get that. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Not even that. Mario Brothers has a better storyline than this game. Yes. Minecraft has a better storyline than this game, and there's not even a story in Minecraft. So I probably already know the answer to this, but in a vacuum of there are no other X-Men games that exist, if you had somebody who wanted to get into X-Men, would you give them this game as a bit of a primer course? Oh, hell no. Even if there were no other games, I would still say no game is better than this game. I would rather make up a game and role play with my friends then subject them to this because making them play this game is the fastest way to ensure that if they didn't like the X-Men before, they will definitely not like it now. 
The one thing I will say in, in this game's favor, as far as showing it to anybody goes, is that they do have some pretty nice little screens where it shows you a good picture of the person and their powers and their real name and stuff. So I would show somebody that screen for everybody and that's it. Yeah, that's fair. The The loading screen before the game actually starts where it's like, we're going to introduce you to the team. Gambit, Remy LeBeau, you know, energy projection, blah, 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 blah. You know, Iceman, Bobby Drake, ice powers, blah, et cetera. Yeah, those were cool. Like I said, the graphics, what the characters look like, that was fine. They didn't screw that up. And then they stick them into a garbage, a hot dumpster fire of a game. So Anthony, if people want to hear more from you, where else can they find you around the internet? Uh, well, my personal account on Twitter and Instagram is Anthony Sitko, S-Y-T-K-O. Uh, but you can find me primarily on the internet on my podcast, which is Capes on the Couch. Our website is capesonthecouch.live. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash capesonthecouch, a T public page. And our show is basically available on pretty much every major platform. Shows come out at 6, uh, 6 a.m. on every Wednesday. And as always, we'll have links to all that down in the show notes because clicking those is so much easier than trying to spell things. Absolutely. And if you want to keep up with me online, easiest place is just to go over to playcomics.com. There's links to all the social media things over there, plus a link to how you can support the show, including a store on there and link to the Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can get in on these super cool bonus episodes about things that are tangently related. The next one is about pro wrestling. Oh, nice. But if you're not in that dollar a month, you're going to have to wait an extra month longer than all the other cool kids that are part of my Patreon. Well, thank you so much, Chris, uh, for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. And uh, if you ever decide that you need your patrons to understand all about Moon Knight, I will be more than happy to talk your ear off for at least an hour on that character. Oh, yes. Please let there be a Moon Knight game. I know he shows up in later things but I want just a Moon Knight game so I can have an excuse to learn. Oh, well, again, anytime you want to talk Moon Knight, I'll be more than happy to because he's he's my my a number one guy. Well, maybe if you look hard enough over on the Gunna Geek Network, you can find somebody else to talk about Moon Knight because I am not the only geeky show over there, as you can expect from the name of the network. It's a pretty cool place. There's tons of shows you should go check out. And if you like the music that we're rudely talking on top of right now, head on over to soundcloud.com slash best-day to check out Best Day's music. But most of all, just grab a game, grab a stack of comics. If you're looking for something X-Men, then Leah Williams has X-Factor coming out in April. And go find yourself a new favorite character. I really do want to see those. I haven't gotten around to it yet. I've I've sat through about half of the Captain America one. I've not yet seen the Roger Corman Fantastic Four. Having said that, what I've heard about the Fantastic Four is that it is the best version of Doctor Doom that has ever been put on film. I just really like bad movies. So Oh, same. I'm gonna they're, love it. They're fantastic. My friends and I used to sit in MST3K the shit out of uh, you know, all sorts of bad, horrible movies. Uh, check out Mighty P. Kingman if you want to see a Chinese knockoff of King Kong. Oh, sweet. We're definitely going to have to go find that. Mm-hmm.